0: I still recall from the books I read All the great empires built in my head But every year I raise one more I bought it all and one dropped off But i I'm, I'm still seeking tough love
1: Hello and welcome to another stalwart, if not stoic, episode of Seeking Tumnus, the podcast in which we brave popular young adult fiction to discover if they're worth their ink. On alternate episodes, we reopen the books from our youth to see if they're still filled with magic or just earwigs. My name is Laurie, and I'm joined by the waxing Patrick Moon. Hello. The assiduous Bree. Bonjour. And the missing the season finale of Survivor, just to keep the dream aliver,
0: Throw You're
2: amazing Keith
0: Hello
1: This episode we look at a book that blew up Bigger than Patrick's last inflatable girlfriend The Fault in (laughs) Our Stars by
0: John Green
2: I think that's unfair We should insert Laurie
0: (laughs) This is the first time I've been back for a few weeks And I get jumped on immediately Patrick might not like it if you Insert Laurie in Patrick's inflatable girlfriend (laughs) I quit
1: <laughs> <laughs> But first, the obligatory We're gonna ruin this part of the book for you Spoiler alert, Keith Rowe
0: As the parent of two joyous bundles of limitless emotion It feels like I'm always looking for something I've misplaced So pervasive in my life is this feeling That it even holds true for this side alley adventure As here at Seeking Tumness, you'll discover me Finding Audrey Looking for Ali Brandy and desperately flicking through the book of lost things. In this episode, you can decide for yourself whether The Fault in Our Stars is a book about loss, or whether it's a book about living. Along the way, we're going to spoil the hell out of it, so please, if you haven't read it, in the interests of wringing out all of the delicious juices, thanks Pat, (laughs) (laughs) stop listening right now and lose a few hours to gain something. We'll even settle for you watching the film adaptation. You never know, you may just find something that you didn't even know you were looking for This episode may also contain tears for fears Because it's a mad world that everybody wants to rule
2: I don't know that you can make light of this
0: And here's some advice for the young at heart You may fall head over heels, but always shout, shout, let it all out Because these are the things we can do without Come on I'm talking to you. (laughs) Am I like am I missing something? Which is Sophia is heavily featured in the book, or is this just Keith like having a a moment?
2: Yes, it's Keith having a moment.
0: (laughs) Keith just likes to prove that he
1: listens to music because he he hates it. He he listened
0: to music about thirty years ago. (laughs) This is some great stuff. But now that we're all suitably prepared for this book,
2: (laughs) no, we're not. We're not crying. (laughs)
0: Well, that'll come later, I'm sure. Uh, Brie, can you please sow the seeds of love with page
2: one? (laughs) I have to recover from this. Late in the winter of my 17th year, my mother decided I was depressed, presumably because I rarely left the house, spent quite a lot of time in bed, read the same book over and over, ate infrequently, and devoted quite a bit of my abundant free time to thinking about death. Whenever you read a cancer booklet or website or whatever, they always list depression among the side effects of cancer. But, in fact, depression is not a side effect of cancer. Depression is a side effect of dying. Uh, Cancer is also a side effect of dying. Almost everything is, really. But my mum believed I required treatment, so she took me to see my regular doctor. Jim, who agreed that I was veritably swimming in a paralyzing and totally clinical depression and that therefore my meds should be adjusted and also I should attend a weekly support group. This support group featured a rotating cast of characters in various states of tumour-driven unwellness. Why did the cast rotate? A
1: side effect of dying. Thank you, Brie.
0: Who is this support? Support. (laughs) (laughs) I think the port's what helped Brie get through this book (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's me to disclose my thoughts on page one And yeah, I don't know what I thought too much I think it was building momentum And I guess you know what you're in for a little bit here Get ready to have your emotions thrown about mercilessly What did you think, Laurie?
1: I recognise that it doesn't have that big bang start that some of us like Patrick. <laughs> but the the tone towards the grim setting, I guess as portrayed by the character's voice, I find it a little bit entertaining. We haven't got a very big taste of her wit yet, but you could see it starting to come out and it had me intrigued. But yeah, you're right, there's not too much there to really hook you in a great deal. But I, I do like the tone of the character's voice, so I'm happy to read on at that point, I think.
0: Pat? This is the type of big bang start that I talk about Like, Really? <laughs> yes, It's this a is... huge life event Yeah, this is exactly what I mean when I say I just want a decent hook to start the book
1: oh, I thought you kind of liked a tiger about to rip out your throat as you leaned over the edge of a cliff While aliens shot rockets across <laughs> your bow
0: That's all fine but uh, I don't require an action scene to start a book That's ah. not what I mean I just mean that I want a decent hook And I want it to start somewhere in the action of the novel Whatever the action of the novel may be And in this case mm. it's, a, it's a book about a girl with cancer And so yeah, let's hit, hit it running Let's start with something like that And not bury the lead And I think she does well I'm talking about the character as if she's a real person here But it, it really works John Green does well to open it on that note and I was immediately quite invested in it There was a little bit of sort of faux philosophy stuff here Maybe faux philosophy is unkind But those philosophical leanings that would perhaps prickle me a little bit throughout the book Were evident in the early pages But certainly it had all the right ingredients What about you, Brie?
2: I get, I get a bit of... Oh. Far out. I have to read a cancer book. I've gone from depressing, annoying, dull fantasy to, oh my God, I'm going to cry all the way through cancer book. All right, let's hope it improves. (laughs) Right. I cry at Huggies ads. We've discussed this in the past. Like, I am going to cry from page three right through to page 503. Like, there is just no doubt of it. And It's a bit like watching an animal movie for me, and an animal movie means Toto disappears in the tornado in The Wizard of Oz, right? Like I am going to shed a tear every second page.
0: It must be tiring for you to be alternating between weeping bitterly and throwing books into your freezer to hide from them.
2: (laughs) I am a sensitive soul, (laughs) despite the bravado.
1: (laughs) All right, well, let's see what caused the ache in your heart. I'll give the synopsis of the book. Hazel Grace Lancaster, 16 years old, thyroid cancer that has spread to her lungs, reluctantly attends a cancer patient support group. Hazel meets a 17-year-old boy named Augustus Waters, whose osteosarcoma caused him to lose his right leg, which was replaced by a prosthetic. Augustus is at the meeting to support his friend, Isaac, that Hazel knows, whose only remaining eye is soon to be removed due to cancer. Hazel and Augustus bond immediately and agree to read each other's favourite novels. Augustus gives Hazel The Prince of Dawn, a video game novelization, and Hazel recommends her favourite, An Imperial Affliction, a novel written by Peter van Hooten about a cancer-stricken girl named Anna that parallels Hazel's own experience. Over these books, common life experience and some witty to and froing, a strong friendship is born, and despite a reluctant fear of causing him pain, romance kindles between them. Augustus uses his cancer wish to take Hazel to Amsterdam to meet Van Hooten. International travel, hero-author disappointment, and teen sex are the crescendo that leads to a quiet tragedy. Augustus reveals that cancer has unexpectedly returned with a vengeance, and in a sad twist of her fears, Hazel must watch her star-crossed lover slip away. Did I miss any of the major plot points there?
0: I think it's The Price of Dawn is the book.
1: Oh, didn't I say,
0: <laughs> did I say The Prince? Yeah, <laughs> did.
1: Is it an actual video game? No. Any other major plot points?
0: No, you've covered the, the essentials. There's not a lot here, really. It's a fairly short book. It's fairly focused on the relationship, so there's, there's not an awful lot to touch base with.
1: All right. I'll skip to why I chose it then. It was... Everywhere in 2012 13, that blue understated cover seemed to be at the front of every bookstore and the top of every young adult reading list. I never read it, and before I'd even heard the term, after reading the back cover, I assumed it was sappy, emotionally exploitative, sickly. I thought to myself, here is a chance to tear something popular to pieces. <laughs> Assuming it would be the written equivalent of some of Patrick's favourite music.
0: Oh, Stop it! Absolutely <laughs> unfair and completely inaccurate. I, listen I to completely the agree. Music. You're in the line of fire tonight, Patrick.
2: At least his people don't like scream at the microphone like your favourite bands, Laurie.
1: Uh, I don't know, wasn't, wasn't he talking about metalcore the other yeah, day? Yeah, I was
0: enjoying some metalcore the other day but...
2: <laughs> I take back my defence of Patrick
1: I was in fact referring to his penchant for popular music Such as Taylor Swift <laughs> oh, but...
0: I like music in general I'm, I'm a man of eclectic <laughs> right. tastes Fine eclectic tastes
1: Well, it turns out that not only am I an asshole, <laughs> <laughs> But I was also a bit ignorant More on that later I'd like to hear what you thought first, Pat
0: Okay, I'll tell you what I thought then You asshole No Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This book was freaking beautiful Is about the sum of it, really It was one of the best books that I've read this year This, I don't know, for, for quite a long while, actually It was just incredibly moving It was really well written It held together really nicely The relationships between the characters were phenomenal Hazel is dying basically And so there's this kind of ominous cloud Hanging over the whole thing Because you know that her time is limited And throughout uh, she talks about her favourite book Which ends mid-sentence Because the main character has died Is essentially the... The implication there And pretty much the whole way that I was reading The Fault in Our Stars I was just sort of anticipating that final sentence And it being four or five words And cutting out because Hazel's life had come to an end And there's something just, I don't know Quintessentially moving about that kind of relationship With a narrator that is so perfectly mortal Their doom is hanging over them as they tell the story it was just a, a phenomenal read And that's not to say that it, it didn't have a, a few bits and pieces That I might have found a little irritating I, I referred to the philosophical musings before All the characters were pretty unrealistic in terms of their language They were all Wunderkins, really They had vocabularies mm. that would impress Cormac McCarthy
2: Or Patrick Moon <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, was, I was suitably impressed They all sort of trotted out those fairly fashionable one-liner sarcastic remarks That seem to permeate teens in media at the moment I don't know, Maybe teens in media throughout history And so they always had a, a ready remark And weren't necessarily as vulnerable all the time as maybe you would expect them to be
1: Since Dawson's Creek, I think it was. Sorry, (laughs) since
0: Dawson's Creek, I should be aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) The Van Houten subplot was a little bit messy at times and the the wordiness and philosophical bent really came to its unfortunate head, I think, in that subplot. And it never resolved itself in a particularly meaningful way. This author that Hazel was enamoured with and followed him to the Netherlands and it never really took off in... Any way that I found enhanced the book beyond the plot that was already there He was an interesting character to some extent But perhaps a little bit redundant But that just can't detract, I don't think, from the ultimate beauty of the book Essentially, it was just so incredibly good And it was very short as well So if you haven't read it, then just freaking read it It is well worth your while. That's all I have to say about it. Uh, what about you, Bree?
2: I'd actually quite like to hear Laurie talk about why he went, ooh, when you <laughs> annihilated Van Houten. this then,
1: Van Houten's words being used to, in a meaningful way, say goodbye to Hazel. I thought maybe that was the point of him being there, like he gave something back in the end because it was through that book that Hazel and Augustus Bonded initially I thought the book
0: overall was well worthwhile And the link that it drew between Hazel and Augustus But Van Houten himself, the author, the man, the character His popping up in America towards the end It was oh, jarring, and just, yeah, mm. jarring and odd I think jarring and odd might be in line with how I feel about it as well It just didn't quite fit for me I thought maybe there was Something there at its core that ha- that could have been worthwhile, but it just seemed sort of stray thread on a plot that was otherwise really nice and tight and well edited and well thought out and just right. well crafted. Yeah, I didn't mind him coming back like that. I think he was maybe looking for some redemption of his own, knowing full well that he'd been pretty much a complete and utter asshole. Asked Laurie about that to to both Hazel and Augustus. <laughs> He didn't get what he wanted, but Hazel did get what she wanted from him. And I think the fact that we didn't see a resolution to Van Houten's peril is maybe very realistic. And, you know, we don't need to have a resolution to every character in the book. No, it's, I don't know what it is, whether it's looking for a resolution or whether it's just looking for a bit more utility to the character actually being there at all.
1: I'm just going to have to recover from the heart attack Because Keith just said that he didn't need a resolution <laughs> to a character <laughs> well, I
0: need some resolution to characters, but not all of them
1: Before we move on to you, Bree, just one quick thing, Patrick You said that you like the character at the very beginning We're aware of impending doom or the, the mortality yeah. It was great, but was it as good as this? I'd never given much thought to how I would die Though I'd had reason enough in the last few months but even if I had, I would not have imagined it like this. I stared without breathing across the long room into the dark eyes of the hunter, and he looked pleasantly back at me. (laughs) Is Uh. that out
2: of Star Wars?
1: (laughs) No, it's Twilight! (laughs) 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 Surely it was a good way to die in the place of someone else, someone I loved. Noble, even that ought to count for something.
0: If you're going to make me comment on Twilight, I will say that I quite like that opening to Twilight, but then Maya just abandons Mm. that completely and doesn't hark back to it at all. You're left wondering, like, what the hell was this intro all about? (laughs) The the, the Fault in Our Stars. It's here. It is. This is it. This is cancer, baby. And (laughs) chalk
1: and cheese for me.
0: Speaking briefly on Twilight, though, I did think there was some familiarity. To the relationship here to the one in Twilight There's a bit of unspoken chemistry that you have to assume is there That doesn't necessarily feel like it's logical
2: Because they're not going to live forever?
0: That is just the longest bow to draw The relationship (laughs) in Twilight was such horseshit.
2: No, but is it because they're not going to live forever They both feel like they have to commit absolutely everything they've got To what they are today I suppose that is a bit like Bella Her life of 80 years is very short to Edward who's living forever
0: I thought the relationship was much more restrained in this one In that Hazel kind of held back a little bit from the relationship Because of her mortality Mm. She didn't want to be what she called a grenade She knew that she was going to die So she didn't want to invest herself in a relationship Where she would harm the people that she's become close to Mm. Recognising that obviously her parents are going to be hurt anyway But that she didn't want to have more people come close And be dragged into the loss that was imminent -hmm. Edward didn't want to drag Bella into the. uh Oh, (laughs) Oh, I'm really honestly not saying there's any parallels there, but yeah, now that you start mentioning it, I'm finding some, but let's get out of this quickly.
1: All right, Bray, we've diverged enough (laughs) onto you. What did you think?
2: I haven't been so consistently moved to tears. Or also, I guess, so moved to engage with the protagonist since Little Women, which reminds me that I really need to put it onto the list for you guys next time. Mm. It's my book choice. Bravo. <laughs> I found Hazel a very powerful character, and I don't know about you guys and about how you see people who are uh, different or less able than the rest of us, but I identify with her need to be the winner of her cancer support group. Come on, Laurie, I know you're competitive. I'm sure you have identified
1: with that as well. I do like to be a winner. Yeah, Yeah,
2: to be the person who outplays and outlasts. That's a tribute for you, Keith and Lisa. And ultimately becomes, I guess, a miracle in some ways, but with this mortality hanging over her head. And at times the book made me actually feel like I'm not living my life with enough depth or thought or care. And that ultimately I really should consider that every day I have is an honour because less than 14 people will remember my contribution anyway. Perhaps I need to read it again and again and again to understand the point or at least to grasp the depth. Can one of you clarify for me, I guess, the purpose of the nastiness of Van Houten Was he intended to represent the nastiness of humanity or was he just being truthfully raw? Because it really bugged me that he was just such an asshole.
0: Well, he was a bitter man who had lost his child. I think he had lost... All of his hope in, in life and in humanity and in the world And here comes these young terminally ill children on his doorstep Just reminding him of his own loss, his own grief That he has been mired in for years and years and years and years And he lashes out at them in a fairly awful way
2: Well I was going to say I found that quite jarring The way that he actually lashed out at Hazel and Augustus And I found it very much at odds with how I think and I perceive that a parent might react in that type of grief following the death of a child. I just, why would you punish somebody else who is going through that, which you observe to be most horrible?
0: Because he's a selfish asshole, but that's part of his story and how he's got to where he is. Because of his wealth, I think he's been able to live this insular life where he hasn't had to interact with others, so he's miserable and horrible at doing so and Mm. he's not thinking of that when they when they arrive he's not thinking of that at all but he does as i mentioned earlier feel sorry for what he's done and that's why he turns up at the funeral
2: i don't see that as a softening of him though i see that more as a what, he he wants to make himself feel better More than he actually wants to make a difference to the kids' lives?
0: Yeah, I think he's conflicted in some ways I don't know that he necessarily feels completely contrite for being such a dick But I think there's also a side of him that wants to reach out to these kids in some way That wants to be connected He's a really torn character who has abandoned a lot of his humanity I think in the wake of his own... Tragedy mm.
1: There is one element to the story that maybe, in just in a tiny way, sympathised with him a little bit more And that was the line where he says something along the lines of Did you dress like her deliberately? Yeah. Hazel has dressed like the character in the story, which was written about
0: Van Houten's own daughter mm.
1: Yeah, exactly, who had died of cancer So at that point, he's confronted with a teenager walking in dressed like he's Dead daughter, and he's an alcoholic, and he's probably an asshole in general, anyway. But that would be one thing that you know. If I was a parent that had never recovered from the grief of a dead child, then that, who knows if that would set you mm. off or not? You know, that kind of gave me a, a small modicum of sympathy for him.
2: Nah.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a definite trigger, I think. But we no, do. He's just an asshole. Yeah, he is that too. Oh, oh <laughs> I think he's I think he's a, a, a real. A, Pathetic, tragic sort of figure mm. right? I find it hard to maintain a huge amount of vitriol towards him But he's tragic in a way that is damaging to others in this instance Yeah, that's, that's true
2: Do you feel empathy for him?
0: Yeah, absolutely
2: I did enjoy John Green's more sensitive treatment, I guess, of both of Hazel's parents The humour of her father and how he always seemed to know what to say And he also acknowledged, in my opinion, the darkest fear of a mother which is to no longer have a person to be a mother to. So I might get a bit teary about that because it's um, he was really respectful in my opinion, treating her mother as a person who battles how to give her daughter a full and meaningful life, but trying to also keep part of her daughter for herself, but also how she identifies herself as a mother or as a person Outside of that So I really enjoyed that
0: The parents in general were really well handled Both Hazel's and Augustus's Mm. parents, I thought Were both just phenomenally sympathetic characters And the the pain that they were going through Was just writ large throughout the entire text And (laughs) there's a moment where Gus and Hazel Are interacting towards the, the end of the book And cracking jokes about each other And Gus is clearly... Very end stage at this point He's knocking on death's door And his father embraces Hazel And says we thank God for you every day Or something along those lines And I just thought that is just Incredibly powerful at this point The the way that he has portrayed The depth of affection and care That these parents have The struggle that they have been through Was just phenomenally done And I suppose that's where some of the other Subplots started to lose some of their shine for me in comparison Because that was just so incredibly good
2: Mm, I agree
0: That was also acknowledged by Hazel at the funeral When she switched out her own speech To give the speech that Augustus's parents would have wanted noting that funerals are for the living, not for the dead And it was mm, an acknowledgement of the great job they had done Of giving Augustus the best life they could
2: Well said I basically just cried. (laughs) I cried all the way, and here's the kicker. I cried at 28%, right? So 28% into the book when I went, I'm pretty sure that it's not Hazel that's going to die in this particular book. Yeah. And you first suspect that it's going to be Augustus, not Hazel. I cried on the train from 69% when Augustus confirmed that he had lit up like a Christmas tree. And I cried so much that my kindly train neighbour made me violate the train code and engaged me with conversation, asking if I was okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a code one violation. I know,
1: right?
2: It's like fight club. There are a lot of adults that read young adult fiction and this feels like it's getting to be more and more the case. Is that because I strive or you guys strive to stay relevant or is it because we're trying to understand the world in which our kids operate or I don't really know.
0: Because there's some really good books there as well.
2: There are some really good books there.
0: I think it's because I do a podcast. Talk about young <laughs> <hunger laughs> fiction.
2: <laughs> You'd already read some John Connolly stuff. The youth stuff, right? You'd already ventured down there. And we all love Harry Potter, don't deny it.
0: Yeah, I've read Harry Potter twice. Yeah, I, I mm. suppose there there has been some that I've read in the past. So. <laughs>
2: but I just feel the need to thank John Green for treating a sensitive subject with humour and with love and for giving the characters a life worth living. My final comment is Ceci n'est pas une pipe actually means this is not a blowjob in French. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. I'm ending on an up note. <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> just thinking about the translation, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: Ceci n'est pas une pipe. Yeah.
0: It's because uh, Hazel wears a T-shirt in the in the book that says, "This is not a pipe." Under a picture of a pipe.
2: Right. Uh, but a, un pipe is another colloquial it's slang, meaning.
0: I guess. Yeah. Well, there's, mm. there's no need to sugarcoat it now <laughs> seeing as you went balls out with the first time you said it. <laughs>
2: the bots in France will pick that up. <laughs>
0: Probably. <laughs> All right, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> Can you top that? Uh, I certainly can't, but I'll tell you what I thought of this book. It, it, the book pulls no punches, and although to me at first it seemed to be maybe a little bit exploitative and confronting, I came to realise that it's not... It wasn't actually that It's down to silly social conventions of politeness And whatever else that made me think that And the punches, they they weren't offensive They were actually necessary hits of an unfiltered reality That this book represents It is, of course, designed to play with your emotions But I didn't feel taken advantage of Maybe not to the extent of something like an episode of Grey's Anatomy It was pretty close, though No! (laughs) No! No, I'm not saying I was taken advantage of.
2: Gray's Anatomy is the bold and the beautiful for nighttime television.
0: <laughs> That's probably a good synopsis there. <laughs> the revelation of Peter Van Houten as a wasted husk of a man, a desperate vanglorious imitation of a human being, I imagine that moment for Hazel was just like the moment when Bree learnt that Enid Blyton was a horrible mother. <laughs> 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 and we've already heard that there was an emotional reaction to that revelation in the book i was spot on there i think i read a good portion of the second half of this book very slowly through tear-filled eyes it was sad it was emotional but it had a lot of meaning behind it and i enjoyed it at the same time because this book whilst being sad was also extremely funny and I laughed out loud several times in this, which isn't something I do that often in books. And it was more in the first half of the book before it took the downturn on the roller coaster. But I found it funny, really funny throughout. In terms of the reception of this book, it's funny, there's a vocal minority who have quite a bit to say against this book. Whether you like it or not, it seems like it's something that will bring about a strong reaction. Reading some of the negative reviews out there the criticism is mainly surrounding the characters being boring and maybe a bit too intelligent or a bit too well spoken for their age and i think yeah there's a degree of accuracy to the last point but i think the fact that they've gone through what they have has aged them prematurely so it's kind of believable as well some people even accuse Augustus of being a weird cancer girl fetish creeper, which I thought was a what? bit extreme. <laughs> That's a bit rough. Yeah, we haven't touched on it here, but his previous girlfriend died of cancer and the moment he saw Hazel was like seeing her ghost effectively because they were suffering from similar things. And
1: Didn't we find out a bit later that he actually found that a little bit repulsive? We thought that he was staring at her because she was amazingly good looking or, or whatever, but... Later in the book he talks about how the girlfriend that did pass away from cancer Had a, a brain tumour or brain cancer that stripped her of her filter, her natural filter And made her a bit mean I don't remember it exactly But I thought the book sort of indicated that he, in that case, was a little bit repelled Because he thought he, he was looking at his old girlfriend And that was something that had bad memories for him in the end
0: Yeah, you're exactly right It was kind of like a car crash He couldn't look away It wasn't He wasn't flirting with that Stare, it was involuntary That's something that's set it apart From the likes of Twilight for me Actually too, because when they first met When Hazel and Gus first meet And he's eyeing her off, not breaking Eye contact, th- that sort of thing I thought, oh here we go again <laughs> here's, here's another one Of these young adult stories Where a borderline Sexual harassment case <laughs> Is painted as romantic but, Because it's, a, it's An actual Thing It seems to be an actual problem in the way that relationships are portrayed for young people And John Green actually explained it You know, he said, no, here's why Gus was staring at this girl Because he's seen a ghost He's seen his ex-girlfriend brought to life once more And that was a relief And it was a beautiful piece of foreshadowing, I think Well said mm. Yeah, this book was excellent, really enjoyable, really emotional, but you have to read it if you haven't, you really do. Laurie, what did you think?
1: The writing was just spectacular. The the pulsating wit of Green's dialogue, it was just a treat. The observations, the repartee and asides of Hazel were just spot on. I mentioned Dawson's Creek before, but it's that kind of... Really sharp wit that I think people Like in shows like Dawson's Creek Or what was that? Uh, Was it Gilmore Girls? Mm. I didn't watch it but it had a really fast Talking with Oh I
2: totally love The Gilmore Girls. You know that's coming back as well
0: (laughs) I think it's Just a reunion show isn't it?
2: Oh is that All? (laughs) Oh god
0: I'm sure if it's very popular they'll expand it out Maybe the uh, Aaron Sorkin School of Writing, some newsroom Studio 16.
1: Oh Patrick A man after my own heart It's exactly that kind of thing that when watching TV, an audience enjoys, I think, because we all have that really, really great comeback in the shower two days later. And these characters are able to do that on the fly, consistently, bang, 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 one line after the other throughout the entire book. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's poignant. Hey, Laurie.
0: <laughs> yes. The jerk store called, and they're out of you. Oh. <laughs> This is the shimmering (laughs) prose that you can expect from The Fault in Our Stars.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Costanza. (laughs) If I was a teenager, I'd want friends like these. Despite it touching my life, as it does for everyone to some degree, I've not really thought about cancer and and that balance between life and death that the sufferers must live this much since the unnamed narrator of Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club joined the testicular cancer support group. And in the same way it had that grim reality wrapped in dark humour, this book really struck a real chord with me. I love the characters, I love their sarcasm, their wit, their casual relationship with death, and the cruel but moving twist of fate that tears them apart at the end. That deep, clawing pit of cold that opened up in my stomach when Augustus says that the PET scan lit up like a Christmas tree. Wow. You know, that emotional connection to fiction doesn't come often enough, I feel. And I'm crediting the author for that, not a cheap trick of cancer sympathy. It was just so well written. I was genuinely hungry for each new page as much as I dreaded them. I did hate the cigarette metaphor in the book and the film. And I think the imperial affliction probably needed to be mentioned 30 or 40 less times. (laughs) But if they're the best quibbles I can level against this book, then it's obviously an amazing book.
0: Gus keeps the cigarette in his mouth, but he doesn't light it because he's, what, getting getting close to death or so? I can't even remember the exact justification. Yeah, but not it was...
1: allowing it to have power over him. Or it, it
0: was very pretentious.
1: Hmm. And in the movie, it was yes. visually unavoidable for the entire movie and it just got a bit tiresome. This book, it's going to break your heart if you've got one, which reminds me, Pat, did you cry? Uh, yeah, I, I did. Yay! I, <laughs> <Hooray>! <laughs>
0: yeah, but I mean, we're talking at sort of 95% of the way through here, not 28%. I didn't get started that early.
1: <laughs> well, you're a man, you're not a sopper. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to break your heart, but it's the good kind of hurt. It's that kind that reminds you. You're part of a sometimes cruel world, but there's just so much opportunity for for life to fill you with wonderful, terrible, amazing emotion. These things aren't happening to you, and you're glad because you're alive, and there are books as good as this waiting to be read. So I I loved it. I'm not sure if I'd ever read it again because it's a bit traumatic, but I recommend that everybody reads this book, and I hope you've read it before we've spoiled it.
0: It's too late now. (laughs) Yeah. I think it will stand up to a reread just because of the quality of the writing and, and the humour in there. I mean, knowing what's coming isn't going to be enjoyable, but, yeah, there's enough in the writing to to get you through a second read, I think. You always knew what was coming in a way anyway. Yeah.
2: True. And I agree about the writing. You can pick up, I think there's like a, a few lessons to be told there and or to be learned or to be considered at least, and I missed out on them. Amongst the tears.
0: <laughs> yeah, there were so many times I you know highlighted sections of the book That I thought were remarkable There's so much good writing in there Mm. Has anyone read any other John Green?
2: None, never heard of him
0: I've seen the movie Paper Towns And it was very in line with this He obviously has a a style
1: Right, okay, All right. Um, I'd be interested Um, Maybe I'll go read one I'll add it to my list of books to read as follow-ups Because I'd like to see if the quality of the writing is persistent While exploring other types of topics Shall we have a quote or two each? Please This one I thought was particularly pertinent to me An Imperial Affliction was my book In the way my body was my body and my thoughts were my thoughts Even so, I told Augustus My favourite book is probably An Imperial Affliction, I said Does it feature zombies? he asked No, I said Stormtroopers? I shook my head. It's not that kind of book. <laughs>
0: I, I felt a connection with the book right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like every conversation you have with Bree. I was going to say, I
2: have a quote here which says, oh, it's sci-fi, I've kind of got it into it. It's a series.
0: <laughs> this one I thought of Pat immediately when I read this. Uh, he moaned in misery. I'm going to die a virgin, he said. You're a virgin, I asked, surprised. Hazel, Gracie said. Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? I said I did. Okay, please draw a circle. I did. Now draw a smaller circle within that circle. I did. The largest circle is virgins. The smallest circle is 17-year-old guys with one leg. I I chuckled at that one. (laughs) Me
1: too. (laughs) There was one other one that made me think of Patrick, and it's because of John Connolly. We've reviewed one of his in the past And I've read subsequently one of his detective stories One of the Charlie Parker books
0: (laughs) I know what you're going (laughs) to (laughs) say
1: I stayed up pretty late that night reading The Price of Dawn Spoiler alert, The Price of Dawn is blood It wasn't an imperial affliction But the protagonist, Staff Sergeant Max Mayhem Was vaguely likeable despite killing, by my count No fewer than 118 individuals and 284 pages (laughs) Which reminded me very much of the Charlie Parker book I read (laughs) There's a follow-up to that where it says It featured a sentence to corpse ratio of nearly one to one And I tore through it without ever looking up I thought that must be Patrick
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not much fazed by a good sentence to corpse ratio I've got to say (laughs) This was a crying laughter moment I'm on a roller coaster that only goes up, kid, Gus answered Isaac laughed How are the eyes? Oh, excellent, he said I mean, they're not in my head is the only problem (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, yeah, Gus said Not to one-up you or anything, but my body is made out of cancer So I heard, Isaac said, trying not to let it get to him He fumbled towards Gus's hand and found only his thigh I'm taken, Gus said. <laughs> I
2: loved that. I love that. That was the highlight.
1: Yeah, that was cute. There's one more for me. I guess I'd been looking towards the encouragement, capitally, above the TV, a drawing of an angel with the caption, without pain, how can we know joy? This is an old argument in the field of thinking about suffering and its stupidity and lack of sophistication could be plumbed for centuries. But suffice it to say that the existence of broccoli does not in any way affect the taste of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it.
0: I do have a challenge for you guys. This is one bit of writing that I didn't connect with. Ludwig drove... Let's, how, how would you say that name? Ludwig... Ludewig. Ludwig, Ludwig. Ludwig mm. drove L- Ludwig. a clunky grey oh. Fiat with an engine that sounded like an excited four-year-old girl. Can anyone... Do an impersonation of a four-year-old girl that sounds like a fiat
2: Allow me to find a recent video of my daughter <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'd probably be familiar with fiats as well, Bree So <laughs> I am.
2: They sound a little bit like a whippersnapper And four-year-old girls, when they get over-excited, absolutely
0: <laughs> So no one's going to have a crack at it?
2: No No
0: <laughs> You're out of luck I I would, but everybody's in bed in my house, so I'm not going to run around making four-year-old girl screaming noises.
1: And I appreciate that some of our listeners will be using headsets that might be turned up too high for such shenanigans. Fair enough. (laughs) The movie. Who watched it or who has seen it in the past? I watched it.
2: I've seen half.
0: I have not seen it.
1: All right. I've seen it whole as well. I pretty much detested it cinematography in general was, was great. The, the filmmaking was well done, but I don't know, I just couldn't connect with it in the same emotional way I did with the book. And the prime reason for that, and Bree, you can share this with everyone, was Augustus.
2: Oh, my God, he was so pretentious. He was just a douche. He was a
1: complete douchebag. He wasn't the intelligent, Ugh. witty... Snappy comeback, kind of nice guy that I liked in the book. He was just a sports jock that. I don't yes. Know, Trying
2: too hard.
1: Had a smile that was just not sleazy. It wasn't that bad, but it was just, I don't know, a little bit slimy It
2: was pretentious. He was the look at me character. He was. I have an ego. Please feed it. Is what it felt like.
0: But pretentious without having any substance.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. They stripped him of the wit quite a bit and just had this, what was supposed to be a charming smile the whole movie. And if you're a teenage girl, maybe you fell in love with him, but I just... I thought he
0: was a bit of a doofus as well. Mm. I don't know.
2: I feel like he was just there to give Hazel what she wanted, whereas in the book it was a bit more, it was much more nuanced. Like it wasn't just a one-sided Augustus feeding her everything she's ever desired. I felt like it was a more mutual... Relationship, whereas here it was just, I don't know.
0: Yeah, they took sort of some of his consideration and compassion away, although he still had it towards Isaac and, and to Hazel as well, but it wasn't as effectively portrayed. Mm. Mm.
1: The parents were great. Yes. As they were in the book. Yep, I agree. And I thought Hazel was okay, much, much better than Augustus was.
2: I felt like this was a telly movie, like it was made to be shown at midday on a Wednesday. Like it just felt like it was. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> I I was surprised to find out that this actually went to cinema. It was just.
0: I think it was a bit dumbed down. Not in mm. so much as you know the story, but in the the portrayal of cancer. I think it didn't really seem as as deadly. I think that the acting was okay, but there was no real effort given to making them look sick. Hmm. And I think that was mm. probably, probably a conscious decision to not make it too depressing. Mm,
1: they made them a bit too beautiful and not quite sick enough to be effective.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And like Laurie said, because of that, I didn't have the same emotional attachment to the characters in the movie as I did to the book. Not even close.
1: Right. Well, that's the thing about the book is physically they should be fairly, well, they should look very unhealthy, mm. And, and the beauty of their relationship is, is their characters and, and the way they connect Whereas in the movie, there was a lot of physical beauty Not enough of the sickness, in my opinion And they didn't have, the like you said before The nuances of their characters' interactions So mm. I think it was a real letdown
0: Yeah, you heard it here first uh, Laurie Bate <laughs> says, kids with cancer should be sicker <laughs> Disappointed <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad though I I still enjoyed the movie a little bit When you watch a movie immediately after reading a book It's always going to be a bit disadvantaged to begin with This didn't help itself too much But it wasn't that bad, I don't think
2: Well, I don't know Like, I kind of feel like Much as I hated Twilight I feel like the movie version Blue (laughs) (laughs) Much as I hated The Hunger Game, No I don't know I just feel like they just didn't Capture the essence of what it was actually meant to be That was the biggest thing It made it a shiny and almost Glamorous Thing It didn't capture the urgency of holding On to life and enjoying it
0: There was a nice little poorly acted cameo From John Green though
2: Oh was there? What was he?
0: When they are in the airport he was the father of the girl That came up to Hazel and asked about The, I've forgotten the name of it, the, the tubes Into her nose Oh really? Yeah
1: what was the thing you had up next, Keith? Uh,
0: Vlog Brothers. Um, ah, Vlogbrothers It's it's a YouTube channel that John Green and his brother Hank host, And it's something that's incredibly popular It's I think it's more than almost 3 million subscribers It's loads of videos of them together or on their own And some other people as well that contribute Commenting on current events, championing the nerdfighter cause Or following whatever whim takes their interest What's the Nerdfighter cause? What's the Nerdfighter cause? I hear you ask, Laurie. (laughs) I was about to. (laughs) Great question. Nerdfighter collectively from the Nerdfighteria community. They're a community that gets together to do awesome things and have a good time and fight against world suck, apparently. A noble cause indeed. Interestingly, they partially fund an English 4th Division football team. That's soccer for some of us. AFC Wimbledon, a.k.a. Your team? Your team? No, no, fourth division, we're not quite that bad yet (laughs) Getting there rapidly though, right? Well, yeah (laughs) Shut up In fact, the north stand in the stadium is named after him, the John Green stand Has anyone seen any of these videos? No No They're interesting That sounds like a euphemism they, they talk very fast, which I guess is the thing to do on YouTube videos, and they cover a lot of topics that, like I said, current affairs, so that they do just some good wrap-ups of things like the financial implications of Trump's policies and, and things like that, very American-centric, but there's also environmental issues that they discuss and scientific issues as well, which is particularly or mainly handled by Hank. It was Interesting to see the author of the book in an unfiltered sense like that. It's not something you can normally do. So authors are normally very reclusive by nature, aren't they? Exactly. Well, that's the general feeling you get. So it's quite interesting to be able to see so much of him talking directly to you in the way that he does in these video clips. I didn't really like him that much in the video clips, though. Mm. Interesting.
2: Why didn't you
0: like him? I didn't dislike him, but I just, it's probably an age thing, maybe, that someone talking fast at you in a video isn't that entertaining to me. <laughs> well,
1: that's very interesting you should say that, Keith, because I've got on the line as a special guest for the first time on Seeking Tumblrs, John Green.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back. You're excellent. I love you. <laughs> So I went looking for some stuff for a discussion point as well, and I thought I'd pick up some of the questions from Goodreads because they're insightful, and just see if anybody had a, like a bit of input into into the questions that are posed by the thinking audience of Goodreads. Oh dear. Uh, so <laughs> I might uh, I might just read a couple to you. I think I've got like five questions here, and you can j- just chime in with your your insight. I don't think they require anything particularly. Uh, sort of groundbreaking, but uh they're not the reviews that just contain millions of gifs, animated gifts. No, no, no. I don't know why they do they do a lot of gifts, don't they? they do. Anyway. Question one. Worst book ever? That is statement. Anyone <laughs> <laughs> What? Anyone have any thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was sort of getting at before. There's this really vitriolic hatred of this book from some quarters, and I don't know why you could hate the book. In such a way And I think it maybe is just based on the popularity of it That people go in with this kind of jaded view That oh this is so popular Why is it so popular And I'm going to be the alternative I'm going to swim upstream here And show these show these. Um, <laughs> yeah What jerks Which is what Laurie was planning on doing with this book at the start right?
1: Ah <laughs> uh, but I couldn't maintain it in the face of such excellence
0: Exactly These people can do that So credit to their staunch idiocracy <laughs> but uh, you lose points for not pro- pro- properly talking. Uh, lose points for not not properly punctuating the question uh, question asker. So apologies. So re- repudiated. Not the worst book ever. Okay. Question two. How do you s- make it so real? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I guess uh, John Green had a bit of experience with children who were ill, working in hospitals or something. I believe I read. So uh,
1: I think he was a was wasn't he a chaplain, like a hospital chaplain
0: Yeah, something like that? I think we
1: haven't
2: covered off the religious aspect of it though, which did I don't know. Maybe dead people need something, some faith to hold on to. But the whole question where
1: dying people, perhaps. Yes,
2: sorry. but you know Augustus dead
1: people I suspect are fully aware or not there is
2: nothing but Augustus kind of is holding on to the belief that there is something with a capital s somewhere that is bigger than him and I think that's a nice sentiment and perhaps something that you need but it did sort of make me question what the author's beliefs were so thank you for the chaplain Clarification.
0: There were some incendiary comments from Hazel as well about Augustus' thoughts at mm. one point.
2: You felt that it was balanced or
0: it wasn't balanced, it was basically it was implying it was Hazel implying that anyone that believed in heaven was an idiot. Question three. Is this book too emotional like or something? Oh god. <laughs> I mean, you cried a lot, Bree. Would you would you have said it was too emotional-like or something?
2: Well, I wouldn't necessarily pick it off the shelf, but I'm, I am much the better person for having read it.
0: Can you have too emotional in a book? Isn't that what a book is trying to do? There we go. A rhetorical question for you.
1: The lady on the train might argue it was a bit emotional. <laughs> She couldn't even get through her daily commute without the waterworks going on across the way.
2: (laughs) I've given her something to talk about from the 45 minutes in her day where usually people just stare at their small screens.
0: Question four. It is an excellent book, the one of all. It is hot outside. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're not. It's quite cool. No. (laughs) That that was an easy one. Uh, Finally, This book is amazing and all. Like, I love everything about the book, but the thing that is making not love the book is is that everyone in my school is doing presentations on it. Half the people didn't even read the book and they were lying about half of it. Does anyone else feel this way or is it just me? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Do do they realise they're addressing everyone on the internet, not just their classmates? I mean, did you all read the book or are you lying about it? Is anyone lying about having read the book? I mean, I can't. I can't sort of uh, get that impression from any of you, but how could you? Mm. Um, oh, it's been done, surely. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I imagine like seventy-five percent of school book reports have to be fabricated, right? <laughs> no, really. The Cliff Notes uh, popularity was based on that, right? Ah, oh,
1: yes, of course. Cliff Notes
0: certainly doesn't diminish my love of any text, though. If I feel that somebody else hasn't read it properly
1: just diminishes your love of them, Pat Yeah,
0: so question ask yes, it's just you <laughs> And uh, those are the Goodreads questions for The Fault in Our Stars Excellent, thank you
1: <laughs> Thank you very much <laughs> Patrick, you've delivered one gem What have you got this week with Scoring with Pat?
0: Well, I don't know if it's a gem, but let's do this Five-point system, let's tear through it Number one
1: please, please don't be forms of cancer, Pat, please Please don't what? Be forms of cancer Oh, okay <laughs>
0: No, it's, it's other illnesses no, Other terminal diseases One <laughs> <laughs> Malaria oh, <yeah>. No
2: <laughs> Less depressing
0: One This book was worse than losing an eye And then another eye And then getting dumped <laughs> Poor Isaac Two it stunk like a reclusive alcoholic Dutchman. <laughs> oh. Three, it had more balls than a support group leader, but only just. <laughs> Four, it was a miracle drug, unexpected, unheralded, and unparalleled. It may work for you or it may not. And five, An unflinching and achingly poignant reminder That whilst men at some time are masters of their fates At others, dear listeners The fault lies entirely in our stars Uh, Who wants to go first? Keith, after you I want to give it a five I really want to give it a five So I will I'll give it a 5 look at Keith just doing whatever the hell he wants (laughs) (laughs) Laurie?
1: Oh, absolutely a five. I haven't been that moved by booking a long time. Probably not since The Power of One.
2: Which is a three for me.
0: Well, we're not rating The Power of One right now.
1: (laughs) No, and we're certainly not rating it a three.
0: Get (laughs) out, Uh, (laughs) Yes. Uh, The Fault in Our Stars, five for me also. Absolutely brilliant. Bree. bring it home.
2: Five for me as well.
0: Oh, consensus <laughs> a beautiful Is beautiful the thing. first time that's happened? It certainly is for all five
1: Thank goodness Laurie picks a winner <laughs> <laughs> How
2: would you have scored last week's book Or last episode's book, Patrick?
0: Well, I haven't finished it yet Oh, so I reserve, God I reserve, I reserve judgment You've never read <laughs> Looking for Ali Brandy? Well, no, I think it wasn't on the school syllabus Because I'm uh, such a me, young so. man <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I've never, yeah, never the world never, had moved never on. Come across it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they had mobile telephones. <laughs> <thing. laughs> Next episode, Keith lines up another childhood favourite for us to knock down with glee. It's the Native American in the closet, I believe. The trials and tribulations of a young Cherokee boy torn between his people's history the inner politics of his reservation home and the heartache of secretly loving an older white rancher in a backwards and hostile white trash county.
0: I'm pretty sure he's not Cherokee. He's Iroquois. (laughs) Racist? Yes.
1: (laughs) Is he wrestling with his sexuality and dating a older white rancher in a backwards white trash county? <laughs> I don't
0: recall that part. I'm not through the oh, book quite
1: yet. I'm, I might have the wrong one then. What? Oh, yes, it's The Indian in the Cupboard, a low fantasy classic <laughs> by Lynn Reed Banks. <laughs> it's about a young chap that discovers he can make
0: toys come to life by placing them in a magic cupboard.
2: I've never heard of this. Have you Oh, not? really? Really.
0: Well, I've not read it, so... It was a movie with uh, Owen Wilson, I believe mm. Am I right? You are right Are you? I thought I looked it up and it wasn't Owen Wilson He was just the
1: cowboy guy in The Night at the Museum
0: Yeah, that's probably where I'm getting it from Was he mini? Was he mini cowboy? In Yeah, he was mini you know, That's, that's why I'm, where I'm getting confused Thanks for listening
1: We look forward to having you join us again soon Until then, regardless of genre Whether it's fantasy, high or low Or tragedies that tear you asunder Thrillers that threaten to drown you in gore Comedies that rip snorts from you In uncomfortable places Like the back of a Volkswagen Or just pulp trash that fills your nooks and crannies With a literary equivalent of hot chocolate Then keep reading For we're all bound for oblivion And it's better to have lived with star-crossed lovers With elves, with spaceships Murder, vengeance, stoops <laughs> oh, Demons <God. laughs> And cancer Than to have existed without them
0: i still seeing Dumbness. Dumbness
1: Until then, if you're Willem Defoe, Jesus Christ, you're a fucking hack. <laughs> <laughs> Keep reading. <laughs>